Thank you so much, whoever left this water bottle here. I'm grateful. Are we good? We're on? Okay, great. Thanks for the water bottle, by the way, whoever that was. And let me just say more broadly, I want to once again thank our team, our technical folks, music team. Uh, I just want to say thank you and just allow you right now, I hope you can hear in your heart, electronic digital applause uh, going like crazy. I know that our entire church family is grateful for what you guys have done through this road of I don't know how many weeks now uh, of this and um, your faithfulness, hard work, patience, can-do spirit um, has just been uh, infectious for me, honestly. And so I just want to say thank you once again. Uh, and to that end, I want to ask you as our church family to continue to um, pray with us, pray for us for uh, the leading of the Spirit with regard to our plan going forward. Uh, we believe and expect that um, we will return to person-to-person gathering at some point in the near future. Uh, we are proceeding in the abundance of caution, um, and we stand by that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, there are some attitudes out there. Well, you'll, you'll be safe. You're in church. You know, if you go to church, you'll be safe. The devil can't get to you there. You'll be in church. <laughs> I want to say I've been in church all my life, and what I know is that the devil knows his way around the church quite well. Uh, um, I hope you found that funny. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, there's, I know there's, you know, just all kinds of uh, different perspectives out there. And I just want to say, just in all candor, um, my mandate, uh, my mandate is not to do what pleases me uh, and not to do what I feel personally comfortable with. Um, my mandate is to watch out for the safety of our church family and, and really others from the public who might uh, consider gathering with us. That's, that's our responsibility as a leadership team. And that's been the nature of our conversation uh, all the way through, including uh, right up until now. And so we're going to continue to watch the, st- the statistics. We're going to continue to listen to uh, health officials and so on. Uh, and we will stay in communication with you as a church family with regard to our plan going forward. Okay, so thanks for your, uh, for your partnership. Thanks for your uh, patience and for your prayer during this time. All right, so with that said, we are continuing our current study through the Lord's Prayer. Um, this has been meaningful for me and I know for, for some others at least whom I've heard feedback from. And so I hope that it's uh, meaningful for, for you in particular. And uh, for reasons I think you'll understand As we proceed this morning, I want to read the Lord's Prayer in its entirety, and then we'll zero in on the phrase we're focusing on for today. Here it is from Matthew's version, chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Jesus says, pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. We're focusing in this morning uh, on that, I'm going to say it this way, on that first line of the second half of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, Let me... Let me just kind of start by, by saying that this is the midpoint of, 
of the Lord's Prayer. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I just want to reiterate at this point, it's a good time to talk some about the structure of this poetic prayer or this poem that is a prayer, this prayer that is in the form of a poem. The Lord's Prayer really has two balanced halves, each half having three major lines or major ideas. The first half uh, focusing on those three big words, name, kingdom, and will. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then the second half of the Lord's Prayer has these uh, three big ideas, three big words of its own, bread, debt, and temptation. And so we've arrived here at the midpoint. Actually, we've stepped across the threshold uh, from the midpoint uh, into the second half. And so I want us to take a moment before we move too quickly through here and consider this three-part balanced halves of a prayer. And we start to notice a transition at this point in the prayer. And specifically, there is a transition line. And we say the transition line each time we pray the prayer uh, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the point where the prayer pivots from these first three lines to the second three. And I think uh, that's the way we would say that in English, and so I'm not faulting anyone, but it is, it is significant to, to know that in the Greek formulation, in Matthew's original Greek, um, the way he's got that line, that transition line structured is, um, as in heaven, so on earth. It's, it's, in the end, it's, it's the same meaning, but there may be some significance in the sense that with those first three lines, name, kingdom, and will, we have maintained a focal point on the divine. Now, there's, the earth is, is in each of those lines too. Uh, your name be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so, the, so the earth part is, is there also, but the focus with each of the first three lines, the focus is on the divine. The focus is on the name on the kingdom of God, on the will of God. Then in the second three, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Uh, Don't lead us into the time of trial or into temptation. The focus on the second half is on us. It's on earth. Even even the the key, um, the the words your, in the first half, it's, it's, it's your name, your kingdom, your will. In the second half, it's give us our bread, forgive our debts. Don't lead us into temptation. And so uh, that transition line then becomes all that much more, um, well, pivotal. (laughs) Um, As in heaven, so on earth. And I like that formulation. I mean, I'm okay with on earth as it is in heaven. Don't, you know, don't begrudge that. But I like the fact that that in Matthew's original formulation, the as in heaven is connected to the first half, and then we transition, so on earth. And it's as if to say, now in this prayer, we're going to talk a little bit about earth, you know? Talk a little bit more about our human experience. The, the, the so what of all that, the, the takeaway of all that is that even in its structure, the essence of this prayer is the joining together of heaven and earth. That's what this prayer is about from start to finish. It's as, if, it's as if the second half is talking to the first half and the first half is talking to the second half. It's as if, 
and here I'm going to say something really silly. It's as if we humans are engaging the divine, which is exactly what prayer is, right? Um, we're saying, though, more specifically with this prayer, again and again and again, even in the structure of the prayer, we're saying, we're saying, our Heavenly Father, we want earth to be heavenized. We want the reality that is heaven. We want, we want that, that dimension. Heaven is not an address, by the way. It's not somewhere out there coming here. Heaven is a dimension of reality. We want the heavenly reality to be inter intertwined with and conjoined with earth, the divine and the human joining together. So there is this transition. What's going on with, with this, this poetic prayer, even in its structure with these two balanced halves, one focused, not exclusively, but focused upon the divine, the second half focused, again, not exclusively because we're inviting God into our humanness, but the focus with each of the, the, the requests for bread, debt, and temptation, the focus is on the human side. So we, it just even the structure forces us to ask the question, what's going on with the structure? And what's going on is this intertwining of the human and the divine. It's fascinating from that standpoint to think about it. And in, 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 if, you, if, you, if you, I guess... Just think about, I'm going to say fast forward, um, but if you think about the book of Revelation at the end of your New Testament, the way the book of Revelation ends with all of its fantastic, phantasmic, um, visionary, apocalyptic imagery, um, the way that this apocalyptic vision concludes is with a vision of what? The New Jerusalem descending and coming to earth. What is John of Patmos portraying there with that vision? He's portraying exactly what Jesus himself planted into our hearts and minds and imaginations in the Lord's Prayer, the joining together of heaven and earth. The conclusion of John's apocalyptic vision uh, depicts the joining of heaven and earth just as, no doubt, he had been praying throughout his discipleship to Christ and just as you and I, many of us growing up praying this prayer, have been praying Season after season after season. The point is, this prayer and indeed the entire ministry of Jesus and indeed the incarnation of Christ itself <laughs> is about the heavenizing of earth. It's about, the, it's about the joining together of the divine and the human. It's about the divinizing of the human. That's what this story is all about from start to finish. It's about infusing the human with the divine. That's the scandal of Christmas, actually, that God became human. And so all of these big ideas are just right there in the very structure of this prayer. Okay, so now, specifically for us today, give us this day our daily bread. I want to start in looking at this line of the prayer, you know, by asking a couple of questions. Um, and my first question is, what do we hear, right, in that request? What do we hear in that? And then I want to ask a second question, which would be something like, what did they hear? <laughs> like, what is it that Jesus' original audience is likely to have heard? 
in this line. So what do we hear? Um, if we were sitting around um, a small group table or sharing a cup of coffee, this would be a fun point to, to have this conversation. And unfortunately, in this monologue kind of setting, you know, I'll just give a couple of my um, answers to that question. When I was a kid growing up, I thought this line was about uh, crackers and grape juice. <laughs> growing up in the Methodist church, we would, we would say the prayer um, and then um, have communion. And someone would pass the plates, and I'd grab my little cup of grape juice, and I'd grab my little cracker. And I just got finished saying, give us this day our daily bread. And now I've got my daily bread in my hand, so, you know, like prayer answered, you know. That was like, that was like my, my idea of what that meant. And, and then a few years later, I changed my mind and, and decided that, no, th- this, really is, <clears throat> this really is more than that. This is, this is a request for God to give me enough food to live on. Uh, so I came to that conclusion. And then, of course, the follow-on thought in my mind was that, and since I, in my personal experience, since I always have more than enough food to live on, I mean, just to be honest, at that point, I found this request to be kind of anticlimactic or kind of, um, kind of a bland you know, kind of a bland deal. Like, like, well, if this request kind of, you know, ensconced in this, you know, uh, so frequently prayed prayer, if this request has, has any relation to the, to the prior requests in the prayer, namely for God's kingdom to come, uh, and that something about God's kingdom coming means that I would have enough bread to live on, and since I always have more than enough food in my family, in my household, then maybe God's kingdom has already come for me. I mean, you know, maybe that's that, you know, it's just kind of this almost an anticlimactic thing. And then, climactic thing, and then I came to a, I guess, a later uh, place where I thought, no, this is not, uh, this is uh, not exactly that, a request to have enough food to live on. This is more about a reminder to me that God wants me to keep my expectations simple, right? Like, just ask God for bread, and that is all. <laughs> um, just keep your, keep your expectations low and keep your requests simple, right? Um, you know, like, almost like don't expect too much from God. <laughs> um, if you want more, than daily bread, then you're on your own for that, <laughs> right? Like God, God's commitment to you goes, goes as far as daily bread, and then that's it, you know? Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the shame begins because it's like, I know that I want more than that in life. I want more than that from God, but this is like there's a reminder to keep my, my expectations low and my requests simple, and so now I feel ashamed of wanting, you know, it's just like trying to be a good little religious boy, and I'm just all in knots on the inside, and I don't know what to do. And I said all that to say that at this point, I seriously doubt <laughs> that Jesus' original audience heard anything like any of this uh, when Jesus gave this line of this prayer. I seriously doubt that any of these ideas represent, moreover, what Jesus actually meant. And so, if not these, if not these readings, if not these understandings of the requests, then what? 
How do we hear it? How do we understand it? How did they hear it? How did they understand it? And that's where I want us to spend the bulk of our time uh, this morning. First of all, I've said said it before and I'll say it again. Um, This is a command. The way it's written in the original language, it's a command. It would be more kind of like brutally, literally stated. Give us today our bread for today. And the verb is a flat-out command. It's in the imperative sense. This is not a wishy-washy, apologetic kind of, kind of request. In fact, I'm going to continue to call this a request, but grammatically speaking, it's not a request. It's a command. Um, this is not like how we might pray, you know, God, if you would, if you would see kindly to do something, we'd like to humbly ask, you know, whatever. It's not that. It's not, it's not even, well, I'm, I'm going to double back and, and, and challenge myself on this, but I'm going to say it first. Um, in one sense, it's not even reverent. It's just a, it's a command. Give us, give us today. Give, give, give us. Give us today our bread for today. Now, but let me point out, having said that, let me point out that actually to speak this way turns out in the end to be a lot like how a very young child might make a request of her parent, right? Mommy, daddy, I want water. (laughs) It would be stated like that. And remember, in light of that, remember the beginning of this prayer, the entire tone setter for the entire prayer is our Father, Abba. That's who we're talking to. And so, as we've discussed before, the entire context for this prayer is that we are addressing the Abba, the Father of us all, God. We're addressing God as the householder of the world house, and we are addressing the householder of the world house as his daughters and sons. And so, yes, this is a command. Give us today our bread for today. And it's not, in the end, it's not because we're being pushy or entitled, but it's because we're speaking, in essence, maybe think of it this way, we're speaking out of the innocence and total reliance of a child toward her parents. That's really the feel. So yeah, it's a command. Give us, give us today our bread for today. Second observation. This is a political statement. Now, let me give you a little bit of like historical context. Let's go, let's go local to their time and their place. Um, historians and scholars, the estimates, the estimates range, but, but I'm going to say from historians and from scholars, um, uh, we get the idea that at this time, at Jesus' time in the, in the area of Palestine and in Galilee in particular, the rate of taxation was somewhere between 80 and 90% taxation to the Jewish people. In, in Jesus' context, um, good Jewish people who had farmed the family land for, for centuries, think Joshua and Caleb, right? For centuries, the people had farmed the family land. And at this time, at Jesus' time, these, these families were now losing their land 
to taxation and indebtedness. And many people um, who came from landowning families, right? Many people at Jesus' time were starving and were unable, actually, to feed their kids. And Caesar of Rome and the, the Herods who ruled on behalf of Rome locally, um, they were using the scarcity of food as leverage to essentially own the people of Palestine and, again, of Galilee in particular. And so Jesus here with this statement is pushing back hard against all of that with this command request, right? So, so when you start talking, when you start talking about me being able to feed my family, and I'm currently unable to feed my family, then yes, you're making a political statement in that sense. You're, you're making a statement, you're making a, a general claim that says the world is currently improperly ordered, and we're not okay with that. When you start talking about everyone being able to feed their family from within a system where many, perhaps most, can't feed their family precisely because of the system that currently governs, then yeah, you're making, you're making a deeply political statement. You're saying the world is not properly ordered. And here's an example of where it's out of whack. Let's get it fixed, right? So, so just to start out, just given that context, it's important to know that this is a, this is a pushback statement. It is a statement of, uh, well, uh, well it, it's a statement of revolution. Things got to change. That's what Jesus is saying. All right. So give us today our bread for today. I'm going to ask a crucial question now. And I want to ask you to please not, uh, please avoid underestimating the importance of this question. Here's the question. Who is us? Who do we mean by us? When, when we, in this prayer, when, when we even in our, in our dialogue and when we use personal pronouns, we, us, our, who are we talking about? That's always the important question. In fact, I, would, I would, would ask you that when you hear those personal per pronouns, um, I, would, I would ask you to always bear in mind, and, and depending on the context, you might even overtly ask the question, when you say we, us, our, who are you talking about? <laughs> when somebody says, we need to stand up for our rights, <laughs> right? Um, it's important to, to ask, even if you only ask it, Silently and internally. Who do you mean by us? Who, who are you referring to when you, when you refer to our rights? Um, and then maybe, not maybe, I'm sure, an even better question is, who do you think Jesus means by us and our? And be careful here. Don't answer that one too quickly. Remember, that we're talking about the Jesus who scandalized his own people through his boundary-ignoring practices of sharing meals with the forbidden people, of touching the lepers, of associating intimately with those who had been uh, 
outcast and pushed away the untouchables. And so, who does Jesus mean by us and our? <laughs> it's simple. He means everybody. He means absolutely everyone. Jesus is saying that everyone must have bread, not just some, but all. All must have bread. Now, let me give you a fact. We know that the earth is capable of producing enough food to feed everyone on the planet. That's true today, and it was certainly true back then. The earth is, in fact, plentiful and gracious. She can produce enough for all, and she does it graciously. It almost, it almost seems effortless on the part of the earth, which means that if there are some in the world house who do not currently have enough food, the problem is in fact not a productivity problem. The problem is not the generosity and the graciousness of the earth, nor of the creator of the earth. No, the problem in this situation is a distribution problem, and that is a human problem. Make sense? See what I mean? When there are some in the world house who don't have enough food, that means that some of the kids in the world house are hoarding too much food so that that means others don't have enough or perhaps have none at all. And so when Jesus says, give us, big us, capital U, capital S, give us today our bread for today, everybody, this is a cry for justice. This is about the equitable distribution of God's world and God's resources. Now, I just want to say, when Jesus starts talking about equality and justice and distribution to all, sometimes it's hard for us here in our tribe, in our time, in our place, sometimes it's hard for us to hear because, um, well, we're all soaked in capitalism, and some of us are soaked in certain forms of capitalism, which Unfortunately, essentially say, nobody says it out loud, but the essence is, you know, of the mantra of capitalism is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. <laughs> That's the, like the meaning of life, you know? Um, and so sometimes when we encounter ideas like these, we can't hear what Jesus is actually saying. But here Jesus is saying something very, very, very different than what many of us have been soaked in. Jesus is saying Essentially something like, hey kids, <laughs> as sons and daughters of your father's world house, the expectation here is that everyone will distribute our father's resources so that everyone in the world house has enough. That's essentially what Jesus is saying. And so this statement, give us this day our daily bread, it's political in the sense that uh, this is about how God's world is organized. It's about how the world is run. And we're saying we want God's world to be run like the household of a good and gracious and just householder, our Father. 
in this case, the way the prayer begins. And in a household like that, everyone works along with the householder to make sure that all the sons and daughters have enough. This is what it means to be an heir. To be an heir of God, as Paul's going to say later, to be an heir of God and joint heirs of Christ. Sometimes when we, when we think about the idea of being an heir, we think about what you get, like, right? like what you receive as inheritance, and we think about stuff. But the reality is to be an heir is more than, it's more than receiving a material inheritance. To be an heir means that I pick up the agenda, the um, mandate of my, well, parents. That's what it means to be an heir, the real essence of what it means to be an heir. And so this is built into this statement, give us today our bread for today. Now, a little bit more context, again, trying to, trying to uh, stay local with the folks then and there. And let's, let's not assume, let's realize that Jesus' original audience is comprised of Jewish men and women who know the story of Israel. So when it comes to bread, what is the primal story in the consciousness of Israel about bread? And I think most would say the answer to that question is it's the story about manna in the wilderness as a part of the Exodus story. You can find it later in Exodus chapter 16. Um, you remember the story, Moses leads uh, the, 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 the descendants of Jacob, the descendants of Israel, leads them out of slavery in Egypt, out from under Pharaoh, and out into the wilderness. And no sooner do they arrive in the wilderness that the Israelites begin to <coughs> complain and say, you know, you just brought us out here to, to kill us of starvation. You know, we're, we're starving uh, to death. And so what does God do? Well, he feeds them. Um, and uh, he feeds them. And we love this, that uh, it's our English Bibles uh, call it manna. Um, it means, what is it? <laughs> it's, actually a, it's actually a question. Um, and so this manna is just every morning just laying all over laying all over the ground, and, and they call it, what is it? And I, I just think about how funny that could have been, right? Like two people walk up and say, you know, what are we going to call that? Well, we don't know what it is, and so we're going to call it, what is it? <laughs> and, and so then just after that, some dude walks up and goes, looks at it, and he goes, what is it? And they answer him, they go, what is it? <laughs> and he goes, no, that's, that's just what I'm asking you. What is it? And they say, yes, what is it? <laughs> you know, it's like, a, like an ancient version of, of who's on first, you know, kind of thing. Um, there had to be some funny moments like that. Um, so there's this fresh spread every day of manna laying on the ground. And every day you were to go out and collect enough for your household for that day and only enough for that day. Tomorrow's manna will be there tomorrow. So today we're just going to collect enough for today. In fact, if you scooped up Today, more than you needed for today, guess what? The extra would spoil and rot, like, like overnight. So this is a program. And the exception to that was on the Sabbath. Was, well, it was four, uh, before the Sabbath. On the day before the Sabbath, you could collect two days' worth. Uh, and that, in that instance, the extra day's worth would not, 
would not spoil. You could hold that overnight to be able to eat on Sabbath without having to gather and collect on Sabbath. So this is, this is the manna story. So let's kind of put that in flow, speaking of story. So God liberates his people, and then he feeds them with daily bread. Here, Jesus teaches us to pray. Us, big us, big you, big S. Hallowed be your name. Give us our daily bread. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Israel's primal story with regard to God's name. And, and we revisited where Israel's primary story about God's name is the story of Moses and the burning bush. God introducing himself to Moses in the burning bush. And in that story, Moses' question is, what is your name? And God identifies himself as ultimately the unnameable one. But here's what I want you to know. I'm here as a liberator. I'm here as an emancipator. And so we get from that story that God's primary core fundamental identity, he's revealing himself as a liberator, an emancipator, a deliverer. And so Jesus says, make your name holy, liberator, emancipator, and give us our daily bread. What's going on here? Listen, it, it, it's, as if, it's as if Jesus is saying now, the entire world is a sort of new Israel. And that what Jesus is bringing about, namely the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, is like a new but now universal exodus. It's like Exodus 2.0, but this time it has within its scope the entire world. Make your name holy, deliverer, deliverer, emancipator, and give us our daily bread. We're essentially saying, God, that beautiful thing that you did with ancient Israel, when you emancipated them and you did with uh, what you did with ancient Israel, you emancipated them and you took care of them, that thing, yeah, yeah, we want, we want you to do that again here and now. But this time, we want you to do it with the entire world. And again, I have to say, I've said before, but this prayer throbs with the theme of participation. The whole, the whole gist, and we talked about it just a minute ago, first half, second half, one half talking to the other, the whole thing is about the enmeshment of the human with the divine and the enmeshment of the divine with the human, participating with God's program. So when I say there in that hypothetical, God, we want you to do it, what we really mean in the broader context is, God, we're getting on board with your program of a new expanded exodus the liberation, the emancipation of the people of the world and your good care of the people of the world. Another theme from the manna story, and it's in the phrase, give us today our bread for today, is the theme of enough. And I mentioned this earlier kind of in my, my own dealing with the meaning of this um, request. In the manna story, there's this idea, gather today enough for today. Tomorrow's manna 
is going to be there tomorrow, right? So there's a sense of enough for today. There's this great line from Proverbs 30. Listen to this. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Isn't that fascinating? So Jesus isn't making up a phrase. He's not making up an idea. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? (laughs) Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So I think, again, Buried in the center of this really is this idea of, yeah, I, I, just, I just need enough. You know, and boy, I tell you, if there's ever been a culture um, in the history of humanity that needs to hear that message, it's our culture. Um, we are, in general, the antithesis of that. I think, what's the line? I think it's about um, the, uh, one of the Rockefeller guys and some of he was asked you know how much money is enough as and his answer was just a little bit more <laughs> right um and there's something sadly honest about that i mean the 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 rat race just seems to never come to an end right and so there is i think something hopefully it lands on you as a relief to say wow you mean there's such a thing as living with that kind of contentment there's such a thing as living with, with yeah, I just, I, I, just need, I just need enough, you know. Now, it depends on where you're coming from, right? If, if you are a have-not, then, then enough is more than a have-not, right? But I'm speaking here momentarily to haves. We are in North America, 21st century, we are the haves. Uh, and so for us to hear, yeah, what you really need is enough, Right? We, don't, we don't need all this. We need, we need enough. There's a, there's a certain release to that. I hope that we find it there. Um, the other note here that I hope we can find is that <clears throat> with Jesus invoking, give us today our bread for today, and evoking that image of the manna story, Um, think about it, he is reminding them of their story, right? Like the people Jesus was talking to, they weren't there in the wilderness, but but there's that sense of ancestral connection um, far more deeply probably than is the case in our culture. Um, And so he's evoking this unstated but shared awareness that in the past, Your heavenly father did provide for your ancestors. They made it. They made it through. Um, It wasn't easy. Sometimes it was hard. But they made it through. And so in, 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 in reminding them of their story, there's an implicit awareness that, you know what? They, they did make it through. And you know what? We've made it through. We're here. It hadn't been easy. Sometimes it's been hard, but we're here. And can I just say the same thing to you? It's the same, it's the same for us. 
as soon as we, as soon as we think about our story, right? Like we're all, it, it's the story. There's, there's been a past and we're, we're right here where we are now and there's going to be a, a future. Well, well, so far you've made it. You've made it through. It hadn't always been easy. Sometimes it's been hard, but you've made it through, which means, which means among other things that for all those times when you were stressed out about not having enough, guess what? Apparently you did receive enough because you're here. Um, You've made it through. It wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was hard, but you made it through. And so there's something about story that keeps us grounded during uncertain times. Um, And I think if there's ever been a time, I'll just say for me, if there's ever been a time when I needed aid in remaining grounded in an uncertain time, that would be right about now. Um, This is an uncertain time. Uh, Things haven't always been this way. (laughs) And things aren't always going to be this way. We're going to get through this. Something better will come. Something is unfolding. And just as God has been faithful in the past, he will be faithful going forward. Um, The last observation, and we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks, but just in the todayness of this request slash command, give us today our bread for today, it's just to realize that this request, uh, it's about right now. You know, it's about this moment, this day. Um, And I just want to say, it's a great gift to be able to live in the present. Now, you know, to be in a place where, where I'm not angry about the past, I'm not bitter about the past, I'm not worried and I'm not afraid about the future, I'm able to be present right here and right now. Man, that's a gift. And we're going to talk about in the coming weeks how if you look at these final three requests of the Lord's Prayer about uh, bread, debt, and temptation, each in their own way, they deal with time. And uh, this line, bread for today, is about <clears throat> right now. And Jesus teaches like this elsewhere, right? Like who of you by worrying can add, you know, anything to your life? You can't worry, just, just live here and now. It's a gift to come to the point to realize I can't, well, just have, look at it however you want to. I can't, I can't change the past. I can't control the future. What I can do is live right here and right now. Um, there's a gift in that for the people around you. There's a gift in there in that for you, in that sense, to be free from the past and free from the future and able to live here and now. There's a gift. There's an internal gift for me in being able to live that way. And certainly there's a gift for those around me to be able to live that way, to be present for others, to engage others in life-giving ways. So give us today our bread for 
today. This is a revolutionary statement from a revolutionary Savior who has come to change our world for the better. And so my prayer today is that as we pray this prayer today and through the seasons of our lives, we can catch a richer, deeper, fuller vision for Jesus' heart for the world. I'm going to pray it again in conclusion. If you know it or have it available, you can pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And we like the ending that was probably added later. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to sing a closing song. And uh, 